I just wanted to share a word, so just <clears throat> put yourself back to where we were about two minutes ago. Um, during the worship, I just got a really clear picture of, um, and obviously it's, it's been raining and there's been flooding on the roads and, and the surface flooding, but the picture was <clears throat> um, the, of a river. And in a flood, the river um, rises and it swells and it surges and it's powerful force, right? And the river kept flowing and surging forward and swelling and rising. And as it did that in, um, in the natural, it breaks the banks, doesn't it? It goes over. It, it rises so much that it actually uh, goes, I'm just going to close my eyes so I can get the picture, sorry guys, Um, and so it rises to the point where it actually breaks the banks, it breaks over the banks, and the word was, allow the power of the spirit to break your bank today, because when that surge of the water comes, it goes right into the farmland, and it saturates the water, it saturates saturates the farmland. Um, and I really feel the Spirit wants to, we have to say yes to um, allowing the Spirit to do the work within us, and the power that is, um, that is the Spirit of God wants to do the work, but we have to be in alignment and in agreement, and this morning we were praying pre-service, 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 um, worship, practice thing, um, and uh, I had that word, uh, divine alignment, and it's that. Because when we say yes and give our yes, the Spirit of God then can move. And actually, we don't, need be to, we don't need to be afraid of that because the power of God is actually wanting to do the transformation work within us. So allow your banks to be broken this morning. Who wants to allow their banks to be broken right now? <clears throat> uh, who wants to come up and share what you've been hearing over the last eight weeks as to what he's been saying in relation to this invisible but seen picture? Come on, we all like, yeah, let's let the power break the banks. And now you've got an opportunity to let the power break your banks. Yeah, as um, you know, the way God's created us, prophetic, apostolic, all this other stuff. But in the end, um, he just sings, he just sings this corny song to me, and he goes, "I'm jealous for your heart. I'm jealous, jealous, jealous." You know, in the end, when all is said and done. With all the visions I get and all of that, that's the final thing, isn't it? It's about you and him. And then as I was reading the, the love passage of 1 Corinthians 13, and it talks about the order of the service, and then he shows me the order, as Greg was saying, is everything underpinned, covered by his love. 
So it's almost like you have to flip that passage and put love at the top. And then all the other gifts fit in under that as he equips us. Yeah, so learning a lot at the moment, having walls and things dismantled for, for those of us who grew up in churchy environments, you know, with all the indoctrination that we had and all the Sunday school learning and while, it, while, it, while it's good, it's a good foundation to be introduced to the word. We are now finding out more about the author of the word and how he thinks and how he lives and how he loves. So I'm thankful for that. Thanks for the opportunity, Mr. Greg. <laughs> Thank you, Ms. Vera. <laughs> Is there one other person? What are you learning? Are you learning that you need to relearn? Are you learning that you know the picture? Are you learning that you don't know the picture? Because all learning is positive. Everything God wants to do is positive. Nothing's negative in him. So if we come to this place of going, I still can't see anything on there that's not a negative. It's a positive Everything in God's a positive because God is for us. And maybe someone on this side of the room. And the Bible says, testify. I hate doing this. Good. I'm, I'm good up there, but this is not a... Um, so, what am I receiving? Man, there's been heaps. Um, I was talking with Greg the other week and a few others that um, there's been a number of times where Greg's been sharing on a Sunday morning and... My flesh has literally wanted to get up and go anywhere else that is comfortable, um, that can feed the happiness of being where I am. But I know that the spirit within me is saying, stay, because it's not about what you want, it's about what you need. And, man, like, I can't even say that I understand 99.99% of what Greg is sharing, but I know that my spirit is receiving. I know that there is life that is being birthed. Like this week, I've literally had Rattle on repeat all week. But, and it's a good song, all right? I'm just going to put it out there. But um, like every time I've listened to it, there's just been something that's just resonating in me. Um, and along with that, it's like this week, I've just... I think it's probably been one of the weeks where I've been the most at peace, and I know it's not just like a physical, oh, I'm peaceful. Like, there's just been this real resting in him and just being, like, just knowing that he's at work, and it's nothing that I have to do, you know? Like, it's it's not like I have to come on a Sunday and go, right, like, I have to receive what Greg's saying. It's like I can just be, and I recognize the difference between my spirit and my flesh in the whole battle, and it's, yeah, life's being produced, so I'm excited. Takes courage, eh? Thanks, Jay. Thanks, Vera. You know, I said this last week, I'm going to say it again. There's so much freedom here to find Him for who He truly is. There's no pressure to be anything but yourself and to genuinely be authentic, take all the masks off so you can encounter the real God. God doesn't want us to know about him. It's not enough. It's not enough to be able to quote the scriptures. It's not enough to go, oh, that's there and that's there. It's not enough to know the Hebrew, the Greek. 
None of that is sufficient to live this life we've been called for. And so we all have to be vulnerable. We all have to be able to get naked in front of God and one another. And I mean that spiritually. We have to take off the religious garb and sit it there and then walk free of it. If we're ever going to be the people he calls us to be, that has to be the foundation that we launch off. Truly knowing that he loves us. You know, it's this tension, isn't it, in this thing called time. And we say God is outside of time and God has got all the time in the world, which he has. But then you read other scriptures and it says, what are you doing with your time? Make the most of your time. And what that can do is create an unhealthy pressure or expectation where you, out of your flesh now, try to make stuff happen because you hear God's outside of time, he's got all the time in the world, but then at the same time you see other scriptures that say, with your time, be wise with it because you don't want to miss out. And you have to know your love to be able to walk in the tension of those two truths, where you are content in him where you are, knowing there's no shame, no condemnation, you can't go backward, but then you have to be discontently content and you want to press in for more. So I am completely content with where I'm at in him. I'm not trying to prove anything to anybody, to God, to you, to me, I don't need to, but at the same time I'm discontently content because he says, Greg, you don't yet know as you ought to know. And that is encouragement. That's not pressure. When I hear that, I hear life. You mean there's more. Well, this is incredible because what I've got is massive. And you saying I can have more? Yes. So none of it becomes heavy. It is weighty. But there's a difference between weighty and heavy. Heavy is burdensome. Weighty is actually light. And so I want to encourage you with that because I know when I speak, power comes out of me. And like Jay said, sometimes your flesh just wants to run. But you need this word, what's in me and other people and us, because it's that that builds us. So the word that builds us is powerful. The word that saves you from being dead in sin and iniquity has to be powerful to rescue you from being dead to life, correct? So if someone is dead, they need to be jolted back to life. There's power that goes into that body and brings them back to life. Well, that's what the word is. And so we actually have to get used to hearing the word that confronts but also builds from love. Because remember, there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ. Which means we have to take hold of our flesh at times that wants to run for the hills. Say, flesh, you're going nowhere, but you are about to get crucified. So I can live. Cool? So Father, open our ears to hear you accurately. Open our eyes to see you for who you are. And Father, Holy Spirit, today I pray that we would receive a divine impartation of you. Of you, Lord. We need you. It's simple, God. 
You said on the revelation of my son, everything happens. So we just say it simply, we need you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Okay, if you've got your manuals, or your books, whatever you want to call them, the scriptures, do you want to come to page six? I just want to get through two pages today. Um, so we're going to have to hang on, all right? And I'm going to try my best. <laughs> so at the bottom of page six, just going to recap just for two or three minutes from Sunday night. So if you haven't yet tuned in to Sunday night, you need to know the stuff to be able to move forward today. And that's why I do want to encourage you to track each of these impartations because they build upon themselves. If we're not intentional, and if you hear one that's five weeks in and you've only heard week one, it's very hard to grasp the magnitude of what is being declared because we're painting a picture in parts. And so each part fits into itself so then you, through the Spirit, get to see the picture that is being declared. So statement of truth says faith has to have a foundation. Can we agree with that? Faith has to have a foundation. Meaning faith has to have its foundation in something or someone. So what is our faith or who is our faith to be in? Jesus, because Jesus is the author of faith, is he not? So faith isn't blind faith. There's no such thing as blind faith. There's no such thing as I believe it by faith without seeing it. That's blind faith. So if I say I believe it by faith and I can't see it, that's blind faith. Because faith sees. Okay? So it's really this, by faith I believe. So by what I've seen in the unseen, I have an absolute conviction of in my heart. When I have an absolute conviction of my heart of what I've seen, called belief, I live. Can you hear the difference? When we say this, by faith I believe, what we're really saying, what I believe most people are saying is, I'm hoping something's going to come through. And it's blind faith, because I can't even see it. So it's almost wishful thinking. I sort of hope this thing's going to happen. That's not faith, and that's not true belief. So if we say, by faith, by what I know that I'm absolutely assured of, and I absolutely have a full conviction of, I actually believe. Can you hear the difference between one is full of power and one's empty of power? And if it's full, then I can just live, because I'm living from the substance of what I've seen. I'm not hoping, going, this is all a bit unsure. And that's where the confidence in Christ is anchored. So faith has its foundation in knowing the Son and everything within the Son. So faith has its foundation according to who God is and in God's conclusions, which is His words, which are spirit and life. So when God speaks, our knowing, our faith has to be in what He says. If I know what He says by faith and I believe, I live. There's no guesswork in it. There's no, oh, oh, maybe, maybe not. It's just, I live. That's the overcomer's life. See, because what's greater on the inside of that person is greater than the external challenge. 
So whatever's coming this way, the pressure on the inside is greater than that pressure. So the pressure on the inside trumps the pressure on the outside. So I'm always overcoming everything external because my inner realm got overtaken by Christ. You see, the greatest battle is not the devil, it's your inner me. Our greatest battle is my old mindset and my heart that still has unbelief. And because of my old mindset and my unbelief, when the pressure comes, I panic. Because I don't have the word in my mind and my heart to just go, come on. It says, stand firm and resist. Be a house that stands when all the pressure comes and not the house that's taken out. What's the difference between those two houses is it's a foundation. The foundation is what determines whether you stand or fall when the pressure of life comes. So faith has its foundation in God and in the words of God, which are spirit and life, not just the scriptures. The religious people put their hope in the scriptures. Jesus said, your hope must be in me, the eternal one, and my words, which are spirit and and life. So you can try to understand the scriptures, but not come into the spirit and life that sits behind the scriptures. So faith is a substance, man. It's not this wishful thing. It's an absolute strong substance that I live my life from, by it, not towards it, by it. Okay. We need to know this stuff because this is essential for becoming a disciple of Christ. So he says, uh, God's conclusions are what is already spoken, written, spoken, written, and being spoken. And I explained that last week. This is what faith must have its foundations in. So Matthew 26, 31, 35. I'm going to give you an example of a man called Peter who had no or little faith in Christ and the words of Christ at this particular point of time in his life. Okay. He would come to be a man of faith. He would write about faith, but right now he's not a man of faith. He's not a man of faith in God, and he's not a man of faith in the words of God. He's a man who trusts in himself and what he thinks and what he knows. And this is humanity until God really gets hold of you. <laughs> until God's power comes and starts to do a work on you. Okay? So what you see in Peter is a prophetic picture of the church. One man living two lives, pre-power, after power. You have to ask yourself, where do you fit into that category? Are you a pre-power disciple or an after-power disciple? Are you Peter before the great falling of Peter or are you a Peter after the great falling of Peter? You have to know where you sit on the spectrum of transformation and maturity, don't you? Because if you think you're an after-power Peter and you're really a pre-power Peter, you don't know your true state, and vice versa. So if you don't know your true state, how can you truly grow? You can't, can you? And so we need to know, but we don't compare ourselves by one another, we compare ourselves by him. And he is very clear in letting you know where you're truly at in him through his living scriptures to help us grow to become all we can be. God is not in the business of pulling down. He's in the business of building up. 
but he has to break down what we build. Because what we build in his name and image keeps us out of the life that he builds. Makes sense, doesn't it? So if you thought by getting to Auckland and your mat was going to New Plymouth and you wondered why you never hit Auckland and always made New Plymouth, wouldn't you want someone to come along and say, hey, do you know your map's screwy? You would, wouldn't you? Because you really want to get to Auckland. So you've got to know if your direction is off. Otherwise, you're never going to achieve the purposes that God has for us as a church and as an individual. Peter is on this journey because Peter is going the wrong way. But God wants to get him going the right way. So God has to intervene into his present because he has a promise for him, doesn't he? He's going to be a man that helps establish the kingdom of God. But before that can happen, Jesus has to come right into his present and go, Peter, you're off center. Otherwise, he's never going to fulfill the prophetic promises over his life. How gracious is God? How patient is God? How loving is God that he steps into humanity to help humanity get where he is taking us? So it's not about our strength. It's not about our ability. It's not on our thing to do. It's just purely on our ability to surrender and allow him. And if we surrender and allow him, he will get us to where he is getting us to, which means then we are the recipients of him. It doesn't get any better than this. But to resist and reject because of fear and unbelief keeps you in the state of Peter which would be outside of the prophetic promise that God has for you as an individual and for us as a church. And so he comes and he speaks his promise and his present all in one go, but he never addresses his past. That's even better. He'll never address your sin. Why? Yeah, why? Why would Jesus never address your past sin? Because he can't remember it. Because he's forgiven it. Who's the one that remembers it? And who's the one that brings it up? And who's the one that eats it? And then who's the one that tells him I'm not worthy? And he's sitting there scratching his head. I reckon he was bald. I reckon all the images are wrong. And he scratches his head going, my goodness, Father, are these guys ever going to believe anything we say? But he will speak promise, future, and he will come into your present to talk about your present, which could be getting in the way of your promise. So he addresses the real issues of you because he knows them all. And if we all just are bold enough to go, just speak to me. I'm not worried about this man in front of me. I'm not worried about this sister. All I'm worried about is me. And if we all just took that and said, it's all about me and you, then we'd have a chance. Don't ever look at anyone else and start talking about anyone else's issues. You've got enough of your own. But it's easier to flick them off, isn't it? That, do you know how that's how you justify yourself? Let's just make it about Jane. Because compared to Jane, man, I'm so hot. I'm so good. I almost said hot. That was funny, wasn't it? That was wrong. <laughs> Interesting, that's right. Let's just make it about Jane, because then all the pressure goes off me. No, I'm just deflecting what God wants to do. It's about you and him, him 
and you. And so here's this beautiful passage, Matthew 26, 31 to 35. I'm going to just bring to light some things. Then Jesus said to them, undermark that, Jesus said to them, you will all fall away because of me this night. Absolute statement, correct? Who is God here? Jesus, all right? For it is written, underline that, it's written. What I'm speaking is already established in the unseen. It's the place I'm from. So I'm speaking what is already established from the place I am from, but I'm in your world. But the unseen realm needs to come into the seen realm. So I'm bringing my reality with me into your reality. And my reality trumps your reality. Correct? His kingdom is to trump the kingdom of darkness. So he is the king of the kingdom of light. He says, I'm in darkness and I want to establish my kingdom firstly in the hearts and the minds of the church, which means we need to know what the true kingdom is. So he says, it's written, Peter, and you lot, you are going to fall away. I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered. But after I have been raised, okay, here's the promise. Talks about the present. Here's the promise. After I have been raised, I will go ahead of you to Galilee. But Peter said to him, so you've just had Jesus have a conversation where Jesus speaks the absolute truth from a predestined, already established, written down reality by God. You don't argue with that. You accept it for what it is, correct? You don't come up with another scenario because you don't like what he said, correct? But we do, don't we? And sometimes we do it and we don't even realize we do it. And then we realize we're outside of life because we think we can redefine the words of God because we don't like what he says. Because our flesh is anti the words of the Spirit. Galatians 5. So our flesh, which is still living, which needs to be crucified, is anti-God. You're not the antichrist, but that demonic flesh is from Satan. So it fights. I don't like that. It doesn't matter whether you like it or not. If you want life, it's his living word. So your flesh must get crucified to that living word if you want to experience the life he has for you. And this is the example of what Peter's going to go through. And there's no special people. No one gets a special card because you've got an IQ of 180 or you've got an IQ of 2. It's all irrelevant. It's all based on surrender. It's all based on your humility, which we may not be because we've got the spirit of pride, which rejects God. So there's a work that has to happen. See, it's not built on my ability, my power. It's built on my absolute weakness of my will, mindset, and emotions. Thanks, Warren. (laughs) So Peter says to him, even though all may fall away because of you, I will never fall away. Because where were you, Peter, when my father spoke creation into being? I know where I was. I didn't see you there. 
The Holy Spirit was there. My father was there and I was there, but you weren't there. Can you see how pride-filled this is? Every time we speak the opposite, that's pride. But I'm not a pride-filled person, Greg. Really? Do you know you're poisoned with pride? It's actually the nature of the flesh. You are born fleshly. I am born fleshly, so I'm full of pride. That's what has to die for humility to be birthed. Not, you know, we, we paint humility up as doing physical acts that washing people's feet that look humble. That's not humility. Humility of a spirit. It's a being before it's a doing anything. Anyone can manifest the doing and say, I'm humble. Now, you'll know whether you're humble when you're tested by his words. And you'll see whether there's a receiving of his words or a, don't like that. He's covering us in the state, which is amazing again. So he's covering Peter. So he has to cover you to uncover you. That's his way. Okay, so Peter said, no, that's not going to happen that way. Jesus said to him, Truly I say to you that this very night before a rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And you love how he picks a rooster. Like it's not the centurion will get up and say something, and then you, it's a rooster's going to crow. So then you have Jesus said, Peter said, Jesus said, Jesus is sticking to the story. Why? Because he wrote it. Because it's predestined, it's written down. You can't alter this. Jesus never came and tried to alter what he'd written. He didn't change it midway and go, oops, we made a mistake, Father. We try to do that. Oh, this story, I wish we could just tweak it here and tweak it there and take that bit out and change it. And in fact, I think or I feel this is it. Well, it's irrelevant what you think or feel or what I think or feel. The only thing that's relevant is what you and I know. Period. We don't need my thoughts and my wisdom. You need to hear his thoughts and his wisdom through me. And vice versa for you. So if we don't have his thoughts and his ways, then whoop, zip the lip because you will misrepresent him. Thinking you are something, he's going, no, Simnel, that was not my way. You just took 300 people the other way to my way because you haven't got revelation of that. It's just what you thought. So God is so kind. He says, your thoughts are not my thoughts. And Isaiah, your ways are not mine. I warn you to bring you to the end of you so then you can come into me. So when you speak, what you say is me. Because what you say is me has life. Full stop. If it is not of me, it doesn't contain life, does it? See how intentional this is? It's so narrow, but so wide once you find him and grow in him. So Jesus said, Peter said, Jesus said, Peter said to him, even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. All the disciples, they all joined the band and said the same thing too. So the question is this, what did Jesus know that Peter, what Peter didn't know? 
What did Jesus know that Peter did not know? Yep, but what? Look at the text. What, what did Peter have no idea about here? Speak it up, can't hear you. Thank you, Warren. It's written. It's already written. So Peter has no clue what's written, does he? Because he's speaking the opposite to what Jesus is saying. So he has no knowledge of what is pre-established. Doesn't mean he's not bold and brass in his pride, though. It ain't going to happen like that. Can you hear what I'm saying? This is serious. He has no faith. None. Little. Zero. Not a lot. Jesus told him that throughout the Gospels. Why? Because faith has its foundation in what is written. If you don't know what's written, you too have no faith. I have no faith. Because faith is anchored in what is written. And I can't know what's written without the Holy Spirit revealing it. You can't know the picture unless the Holy Spirit reveals it. It's written, it's already painted, but you and I can't know it unless the Holy Spirit reveals it. This is how serious this is. Outside of that, all I have and you have is a form of godliness. And that does nothing for me apart from get me going through nothingness. Thinking I'm in something, I'm in nothing. I'm a fool. But I don't think that because my pride is still living. But the evidence is what you can see in the unseen because faith has its anchor in the unseen. So if you have faith, tell me about the unseen. Peter couldn't because he had no knowledge of what was written, but Jesus did, and he's there telling him. How thick do you have to be? It's going to happen, Mark. It's written, me, Father, Spirit, wrote it before you were even born. It's going to happen. Can you hear me? No, Mark can't. So Mark is in opposition to God going, no, that won't happen. This is what's going to happen. Let me redefine your story. Whoa, what are you talking about, man? The level of pride in the man here is horrendous. It's demonic. Do you think Peter knows that? No. Do you think Jesus does? Yes. And what's Jesus doing? Loving him. To stay like that? No. He doesn't want him staying like that. He wants to see him changed. He'll never walk away from you, but you can walk away from him when you don't like what he says. You can walk away from a brother or sister because you don't like what they say because they're sent on behalf of heaven to help you. And you go, eh, like you go, eh, to God. But you don't think you're doing it to God because it's in a man or a woman, but you are. It happens all the time. Trust me, it happens all the time. I've done it. You've done it. I've done it to you, you've done it to me, you'll do it to one another, and he's covering it all. But when you realize you've been doing it, guess what happens? You change, you actually find biblical repentance and you break because he shows you what you've been doing. He shows you you've been walking the wrong way, thinking you're walking the right way. And now you can actually start living the right way. Why? Because he shows you. And he's been covering. And he's been speaking it over and over and over and over and over because he's patient, waiting for the time that you would hear it. And then when you hear it, it's like, how long has this been going on for? 
certainly no one else has heard this, eh? Man, God, do you know about it, Warren? Do you know about it? Do you know about it? How long has this been going up for? A long time. No, it hasn't. It hasn't. No, 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 it hasn't. It's just, I've just, no, no, it's been going out, but you haven't been able to hear it. Let's praise the day that you hear it, but it's been going out. You see, we are the pattern of the disciples. We are them, never hearing it when it's spoken, only ever hearing after the event, and then even not hearing it, needing a brother or sister to come and repeat it. Oh my goodness, did I miss it five times? Yes, but it's good because you heard it today. So don't worry about the five times you heard it today. Yes, 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 we're about to start. Have a drink. <laughs> it might be vodka in this today. <laughs> if you're online, that's just my livable sense of humor. <laughs> so Peter didn't know it was written, so his life didn't reflect it. So just have a look at that. Zechariah 13 7. This is where Jesus is quoting from. Right underneath it. Awake, O sword, against my shepherd and against the man, my associate, declares the Lord of hosts. Strike the shepherd that the sheep may be scattered, and I will turn my hand against the little ones. So it's, he's quoting from a prophet who's already written it down. The role of the prophets were to hear from the Father, write it all down, and get it for the people. Jesus came along, and then the last word would be spoken through Jesus Christ, Correct? God used the prophets, then the Son come, and the fulfillment of the word would be in the Son. So the word would speak what has already been written by the prophets. He was the manifestation of the prophecy of what God had said. Then he would also speak prophecy, living reality. Don't think just earthly, think eternal. So he would speak the promises of his Father into the earth, hoping that everyone of earth would hear them, Faith comes through hearing, correct? Spiritually, see them spiritually, turn from their lives and start living obediently unto him. That's you and I. Cool? So he's quoting from there. Look at Matthew 26, 51, another one. If you just do a study, man, you'll see he's always speaking these future promises. Like he's always talking ahead. That means we can know the future. Isn't that exciting? You can get ready for the future, but you have to be able to hear it. So if you can't hear it, you ain't going to know it, which means you ain't getting prepared for it, which means you just stay in the present. But your present is to be defined by the eternal promise. Promises. Matthew 26, 51. So now they're in the garden, okay? And he's given them a sword. And behold, one of those who were with Jesus reached and drew out his sword. We know that's Peter. Here he comes again. And struck the slave of the high priest and cut off his ear. Then Jesus said to him, Put your sword back into its place, for all those who take up the sword shall perish by the sword. Here we go. Or do you think that I cannot appeal to my father, and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? How then will the Mark this, scriptures be fulfilled which say it must happen this way. Peter, for you and everyone after you, 
to become who I have predestined you to be, I must go to the cross. Now, we have hindsight. We know that, so we go, uh, duh. But really, we can live duh, uh, as well and not know it. You don't think so? Good. I'm glad you said that. <laughs> we can be like this. Do not think more highly of yourself. Judge yourself by yourself. You're a fool. Ask those around you that you trust where you're really at. They'll be honest with you and tell you. <laughs> I love that joke. Yep. So, Peter, the scriptures have to be fulfilled this way because they are written down. Once again, my son, my brother in Christ, you are anti me and the Father and the Spirit. The way you're living, your demonstration is not kingdom of the Spirit, it's kingdom of the world. You are demonstrating demonic behavior. Get behind me. Satan, who is he talking to? Peter. Was Satan in the man? No, his thinking was set on whose interests? Man's interest was his own. So once again, this beautiful picture, he's a prophetic picture of a man that needs to die, doesn't he? But he's a man, he's a church that still wants to live and wants to tell Jesus how everything is going down. Even when Jesus says, do you not think that my father could send a legion of angels to protect me if that was the will of God, but it's not? The will of God is I am going to the cross. This has to happen for who? His benefit or yours, Peter? Peter's benefit. But for Peter to receive the benefit, what had to happen to Peter? Peter too needed to get crucified with Christ, didn't he? And that is the thing that he is resisting, isn't he? Because he has no reference for that. He's just doing what he naturally thinks is right. Is he not? He naturally thinks the Messiah can't die because the Messiah lives forever. If you're the Messiah, you've come to take down the Romans, so you're not going anywhere. I'm fighting to keep you alive. Get behind me because I need to keep you alive. Great intent, just really foolish. Hey, God, you stay there. I'm going to protect you, God, because you can't die. Come on, let me at him. Come on, come on. Give me your best shot. Come on. This is us. I can do it, God. I can do it. You, you stay there. You, you, you have a rest. Take a seat there. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go win the world for Jesus. You stay there. Right, let's go. Let's go. My preaching gift, the anointing on me, the power on me. I'm going to do this. You, you, you have a break. You need a break. This is us. This is why you get knackered in ministry. Absolutely burnt out because you leave Jesus on the seat rather than Jesus being you, in you. Being the one doing the work through you while you're there but not doing anything. It's called active rest. So you're there and you're the one speaking but you're not doing anything. There's an interesting dynamic, isn't it? You fly all around the world. You're preaching, 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 serving, visiting, doing all this stuff, but you're not doing anything. And you've got just as much life in you if you do or you don't. 
So same power where you're sitting on the couch watching Liverpool play, whether you're here on a Sunday preaching, whether you're in Cambodia preaching, you've got the same power because it's not based on what I do, it's based on him in me. Peter has no concept of this, hence he's in front of Christ, trying to protect Christ, thinking he's got it all right. Jesus is like, Peter, Peter, Peter. Love is patient, love is kind, holds no wrongs of account of wrong. Aren't you glad, Peter, that I am love and you are not? Peter's like, no, I'm love, mate. (laughs) I'm showing you how I'm loving you. It must happen this way. At that time, Jesus said to the crowds, have you come out with swords and clubs to arrest me as you would against a robber? Every day I used to sit in the temple teaching and you did not seize me. But all this has taken place to fulfill the scriptures of the prophets. So once again, he reinforces the reality because he knows his men aren't hearing. And anyone else who has ears to hear, he's speaking always what is already written and established. What's in the unseen His coming into the scene. The manifestation of the word of God, which no one can see, is on the earth being demonstrated. The only problem is you can't see his inner realm. You can't see anybody's inner realm, but you can receive the manifestation of it. The problem with that is when you try to copy that, you get in trouble because you don't have the other person's inner realm. You just have your empty realm trying to do something that you don't have the substance in you that that's coming out of because the other person's not trying. It's just coming out of them and their body's able to demonstrate the manifold wisdom of God. Can you see why your inner realm has to get sorted out? Your heart, if it's full of unbelief, has to get broken because unbelief keeps you out of life in your heart. If your mind is stinking thinking, then you're always going to shut down what's God. Because it's always going to sound back to front and weird. Which means you're limited as a disciple when you're supposed to be full and overflowing and releasing the manifold wisdom of God into the earth because that's the mandate for the church. So God is loving, covering, and needs to empower, but Peter has no clue about this. Isaiah 53, 1-12 is where Jesus is quoted from. Cool. So once again, Jesus isn't pulling stuff out of the air. He's quoting, speaking from what was already prophesied would happen. So he's the fulfillment of the word 2,000 plus years before it ever happened. How cool is that? Imagine being around then. But it's the same today. Because there are promises that have been spoken out of this house for you and I. Just like this, to be in, to know, and to live from. So then our lives become the manifestation of the wisdom of God because of the promise we have had revealed within us. So our lives are to be the reflection of God, correct? Which means there needs to be a work done within us, correct? If there is no work done in you, nothing's happening, guys. Like if you're not and I'm not changing, nothing is happening. You're just covered by love. That's better than not being covered by love. But if it's not internal transformation, if I'm not going from strength to strength to strength in Christ, 
If I'm not able to love, if I'm not able to forgive, if I'm not able to do what he calls me to, then nothing is happening in my life as a Christian. I'm just going through the motions. Do you get what I'm saying? The church needs to be the demonstration of Jesus Christ. That is the purpose of God for his church. He didn't just die, rise again to cover you from sin, that you just go, oh, well, I'm saved, I'm going to heaven. He died and rose again to cover that, to release us from the power of sin, to be conformed into the literal image of the Son, so we look, sound, hear, live exactly like the Son. That's the church. Outside of that, we're not the church. We're not the mature church. Okay? We're just babies. So we need to become the mature. Press on to maturity, the Bible says. Stop going back to the elementary principles of repentance and these things. He says, by now you all should be teachers. If we've been in Christ more than five years, we should be all be discipling people into the five years of Christ we know. Okay? The Great Commission, isn't it? Go make disciples, that one. You know that one? That's the one you're going to be held accountable for. So you hope you know when you turn up in front of them because they're going to say, what did you do, make disciples? No, man, I built my empire. Oh, that's not why I gave you life, Simnor. Oh, wasn't it? Oh, true. Okay, come over here. This is what's happening to Peter because he doesn't know, but Jesus is there. And Jesus is right here. Jesus is in you going, come on, Greg. It's got to be bigger than that, son. It's got to be bigger than just getting married and kids and work and sport. It's got to be bigger than that, isn't it? Certainly my Father's kingdom and the ages to come and the worlds to come, it's got to be bigger than earth, doesn't it? So he speaks in the hope that we will hear. Matthew 26, 23 to 24, I just want to repeat it. And he answered, he, and this is someone, he who dipped his hand with me in the bowl is the one who will betray me. The Son of Man is to go just as it is written of him. But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been good for that man if he had not been born. It sucked to be Judas, didn't it? Are you glad you weren't predestined to be him? That's enough to praise, isn't it? Because you could have been. It was written, where, Greg? Psalm 41.9, even my close friend in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted up his heel against me. This is all unfolding in front of us. Do you realize this? Like, God is ahead of us, and the kingdom is unfolding in front of us, which means we need to catch up. We're not to be creating our own lives and our own kingdoms like we've been taught. We need to get in the kingdom. Repent. Unless you are born of spirit and power, you cannot enter into the reality that's right in front of you and start living for that kingdom, not your own empire. It's catch-up time, guys. He is ahead of us, speaking ahead, hoping that in our present we're going to go, hey, did someone say something? Holy moly, you're talking about sitting with you on your throne and reigning with you? Where? 
Because I'm here at 18B Bodman Terrace at 3 in the morning praying and you're talking prophetic promises about me sitting with you and reigning with you? We're God. Son, now and in my future kingdom. This is your identity. Wake up, Greg. Hear the word of the Lord, dry bones, and get on your feet and wake up. Because I'm calling it, calling it, saying it. Can you hear it? And sometimes you've got to raise your voice for people to get shocked out of just, this is all I know, Christianity, turn up late, sing a couple of songs, go home again. That is dead. Apathetic, pathetic, whatever you want to call it. It ain't Christianity, it's churchianity, it's religion, stinking thinking, institutionalized, that's killing the church. So he speaks, he was speaking to them, going, guys, it's written 2,000 years ago, I'm the fulfillment of the very thing. Wake up, O sleeper, hear the word of the Lord, and get in the game. I don't mean to yell, and I'm not frustrated. I am passionate about myself and you and the body of Christ coming into the reality that we are, rather than living these little lives, begging for crumbs under tables, scrambling and fighting over position. Mm. Listen to this, Matthew 24, 24, 25. For false Christ and false... False prophets, slow down, (laughs) will arise and will show great signs and wonders so as to mislead, if possible, even the elect. Behold, I have told you in advance. I am getting you ready. There are people that are going to come in my name. They're going to do signs and wonders and they're going to be false. And you, if you cannot discern them, will probably get sucked in because you'll look at what's happening and you won't hear my father. You'll be captivated. He says, do not make an image because you can't hear me in Deuteronomy and you're only looking. This is what the world has done. We make gods out of man, woman, fishes, cows, Buddhas, everything else but the one true God. You see, the problem is we think, oh, yeah, the Buddha, that's ridiculous, that's what. Then we go make God in our own image, which is just as ridiculous as the Buddha. But we don't think that. He's saying, I'm telling you in advance. Look, he even says here, possible even the elect. That means you have to be an elect, not to get hoodwinked. If the elect can almost get hoodwinked, you better be mature when this turns up because the apathetic Christian is gone. They ain't going to have a clue. They're just going to get sucked in. Whoa, miracle, it was Jesus. No. The angel of light's going to turn up looking like Christ, like he did the angel in the garden, correct? Not a snake, but the angel of light in the garden, Ezekiel, go read it, looking in his beauty. Why do you think they got hoodwinked? He looked. They didn't hear. Man, don't live by natural sight. You will be sucked into everything. You have to be able to hear the Word of God. Not someone who can get up and read this. The Word of God. I can quote this and give you my interpretation. If you can't hear it because you don't know it, you receive my interpretation as the Word of God, and it ain't. 
This is the scriptures. This is not the word of God, okay? The word of God is a person. This does not say this is the word of God. This describes the word of God as Jesus Christ, correct? This describes this as the scriptures. We, on the other hand, say this is the word of God. Don't we? This does not say this. This is this is the scriptures. This is the word of God as Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus spoke living words. And if you're the wrong side of that equation, you make that number one. In the beginning was the scriptures. In the beginning was the word. And the word spoke words, which man captured. If you're trying to understand this without the word, you come up with your own version. Well, welcome to the church. And God loves us in the state. And he's covering it waiting patiently, telling us everything in advance. What for? So we can know. We can know him, his purpose, his plans, who we are, and actually be the demonstration now. But there's got to be a massive unearthing from the earth. You see, Peter at this point could not live what I'm prophesying, but he would come to. But he couldn't. What did Peter need to go through before he could start living this? Say it. The cross. The crucifixion. He needed his flesh crucified. He needed his will killed. His mind would be renewed. He would no longer live from his feelings. But his will, which said, I will not deny. That's his will. That's living. The man walked on water, and that's still living. The man preached the gospel, and his will is still living. The man cast out demons, did he not? And his will is still living. So you can do all the signs and the wonders and the miracles you like and the ministry and the preaching and still have your will living. And when he asks of your will, you deny him. Which means it's 2 Timothy 3, 7 that says you deny the power of God. And you keep your godliness intact. Form of. And you actually can't enter into the true abiding life because you just rejected it. And you don't even know you do it. Do you think he knows he's doing it? Do you think Peter actively knows what he's doing here? No, he doesn't. He thinks he's doing all the right things like we do. You see, the Bible says in Proverbs, there's a way that seems right to a man, but it ends in death. Are you looking at life here? We've got hindsight. It's great us looking at this. Imagine being Peter right then and there. This is where you've got to put yourself in the man's shoes because it is you and it is me. We do this. And if you don't believe you do it, then you're deceived. Okay? And I say that out of love. You are blinded. In a couple of weeks, I was trying to describe what this word was that I still don't have for a person that 100% thinks they're not something, and they are it, but they 100% believe they're not, but they can't live out what they say they are. But they absolutely believe they're it. But they can't demonstrate it. And that's the evidence that you are in what you say you're in. Like, I just don't get it, because it's not logical, because this is not a logical thing. This is a spiritual thing. Like, I, I've, I sit there, and I scratch my head, and... Hence no here. And I go, 
Like, you're seriously going to tell me you're still in this thing, even though you can't live that? And the person goes, yeah. (laughs) Well, I think it's even more than that, Mark. I don't, like, the seed doesn't quite even, I'm like, like, really? And this is a state of us. Yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah. You you can't live it, but you're going to say you're in it. Yeah. And see, this is this thing. We we know what it says in 1 Corinthians 2. He says, if they had known, they wouldn't have killed him. Like they genuinely believe they were in the people, the right, but their demonstration is they crucified him. And they have no idea you're going. And God knows that, and God's love is covering this. This is what's incredible about God. It's like, and when you see this in yourself, man, I broke and I wept and I wept, and I, because I'm like, that's me. I'm the Pharisee spirit. It was in me. He goes, yes, son, and I've been loving and covering you before you knew it. And you go, I never want to be that again. No, no, I don't want you to be that again because you've been smacking me in the nose for a long time. And you leave it and you never come back and you leave. And that will go. And you're like, oh, and it's just life and life and life and life. How much more? 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 And you leave there. It's evil and you know it and Peter has no idea but he's gonna know and love is gonna lead him to his own death he takes you by the hand and he says come follow me the problem is that you don't know where you're going but he does and he says, I'll never leave you Allison hold on to my hand my hand is not too short for you to hold on to this but you might let go of me but I'm here like this, and God is always here. So Alison might hold him, let hold of me, but God is always like this. And he waits until Alison grabs hold of the hand again. Okay, let's go again. He like he sits, he sits, and he still sits with Alison. And go, are you ready? Are you ready? No. Why? Well, that thing I can see that thing in your heart that happened when you were five years old. Can I heal that? No. No, I don't want to go there. Oh, you need to go there. I need him free of that because that's getting away. See, this present is getting away in your promise, Allison. And he will love you and he waits. I'm so excited. He waited waited for me. You know, when you reject him over and over and over and over, and he is so faithful, and he always turns up on time. Hey, we're still there. And then he does a work and you're free of you. But you have to go there. And Peter can't go there, but he's going to take him there. Yeah. Listen to Matthew 26, 31. Then he said, you will all fall away because of this night. For it is written, I will strike down the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have been raised... I will go ahead of you to Galilee. Wow. I'm going to die for a moment. And then I'm coming back. And this needs to happen so my people can become who I predestined them to be. Do not be downcast, guys. I am going to rise again. Amen. But see, they couldn't hear him. So when he died... They were downcast. They went back to fishing. 
They were hiding in fear because the natural was greater than the spiritual for them. They couldn't hear the spiritual promise. He told them over and over and over and over. And all those words were waiting for the Spirit of God to push. But in that point, they hadn't entered them. The Holy Spirit was hovering, waiting to activate for three and a half years everything Jesus had said. In a moment of time, when that rooster crowed, the Bible says, and Peter remembered the word of the Lord. The Holy Spirit took all those words, activated them in the man's heart, and he went, And when you look at the eyes of love, and the eyes of love are looking back at you, and you know you're being loved, and he's saying it's okay. Ah, you break, man. I've been loved into submission. Hasn't been a rule. Hasn't been a, you should. Hasn't been. It was love looking back at you, knowing that you have fallen way short of the standard and love hasn't left. But love is looking at you like it was looking at you when you weren't hearing anything. And he's still looking at you. He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'm the only one. Do not trust your heart to man again, Greg. Because you did that and it got you broken. Give me your whole heart and trust your heart unto my Father. He will never hurt it. He will never break it. He will hold it lightly and he will protect it. Guard your heart for it is the wellspring. Do not give it to a man. Do not give it to a woman. Do not give it to a child. Do not give it to a job, a career. Do not give anything that is earthly and temporal because all that can go. And when it goes, you go with it because where your treasure is, there your heart is, and you treasured it, but it was futile, and now it is no longer, and you are gone because your heart was associated to that treasure, and that was temporal. That's why we get broken hearts because we give our hearts away, and the person grabs it and crushes it like that. That's what happened to my heart. Stomped on it, twisted it, spat on it, flicked it out. And you're left ready to receive Jesus. (laughs) I wouldn't recommend it. My recommendation is hear the word of the Lord. That was the best day of my life. That was the darkest. But that's when light shone. What's the time? Wow. I'm just going to finish this and we won't have questions, but I'm sure it's going to generate questions. And I want to read these questions here. So just mid-page, statement of truth. God's words are declaring to us what he has already established spiritually before we come into it and see it manifested in the natural. So we need to seal that, yeah? His words, spirit and life, are declaring what is already established in the spirit before it's manifested. So the question, do we come to believe after the event or before the event? So the pattern of the disciples was they never came into it when it was spoken. Okay, They couldn't hear it when it was spoken. So the challenge is, and ultimately the goal is that we enter into the reality of what's spoken, isn't it? And this is why love is patient, because it gets spoken here, and let's say 100% of us miss it. 
Then he brings it back here and he speaks it again. 2% here, 98% miss it. And you work through. And you hope by about the 20th time, 100% have heard. Because now 100% can walk together and the one who heard it first has been waiting for the other 98 to catch up. To be fully one. But the one who's heard can love on the ones that haven't yet heard and be Christ to those people because they've got the substance of what they heard that enables the behavior. Love one another as Christ has loved you. Lay your life down for one. This is what it all means. Okay? So the challenge is the disciples, whenever they never heard. And there's a story where the woman who also didn't hear, because remember they were making spices all night long for a body that wasn't there. Remember, hey, I'm going to die. Three days later, I'm coming back. Go to Galilee, wait for me there. That's where they should have been if they'd heard, but they didn't. So the women are making spices for a body that had already been prepared. What a waste of money, time, and energy that was, but they didn't know. They didn't have the knowledge, yeah? So Jesus is covering that, but it's still not right. You don't want to be throwing away money and resource and time, do you? You want to be effective, okay? So they're also there, so they turn up at the tomb. Where is he? Where's the body? Two angels turn up. Messengers from heaven unto ministering of salvation. Hebrews, yes? So what do they say? What are you doing here? Well, we come to anoint the dead body. Ladies, did he not say that he would go and be in Galilee and he would raise after the third day? Oh, yes he did. That's right. They leg it out of the tomb. Where do they go? To the disciples, the apostles. They turn up, bust down the door, boom, Guess what? He's alive! What do they say? Willfully said no. Willfully did not believe. The apostles, the ones he's going to see the kingdom built through, willfully chose no. Why? Um belief is present so is disappointment they are downcast but someone's come with good news he's alive he's alive he's alive how do you know these angels these angels oh now you're going to crack on the angels are in the tomb the two guys from the road to Emmaus we know them they also couldn't see him in the current form he goes, he goes into their home, they have a meal, he breaks bread, their eyes are open. Oh my goodness, it's Jesus. Oh my goodness. They also run, bust down the door, boom! Guess what? He's alive! That's the second time we've heard, he's alive! No, that's not belief. And what has to happen? They're all in the upper room, are they not? Or in a room, sorry. Waiting. Who turns up? He doesn't even knock on the door. He just appears. <laughs> so I'm going to die that. They won't even let me in. <laughs> he goes, you people of unbelief. Woo, here's a rebuke. Touch me. Feel me. You see, we all need that encounter. Every single person needs 
multitude of those encounters to know them. Doesn't matter, you can hear someone else say it to the cows come home. You can have someone in your life that's seen the Lord, been to third heavens, all that stuff, but until it happens in you, it ain't happened. And your will and your mind are still actively living. And so what's incredible, like them, they reject. That's incredible, isn't it? And he's loving He's covering. Why did the disciples only come to believe after the event? They couldn't hear the word. So the number one way of heaven is hear the word of the Lord. If you don't hear, I'm going to have to lead you on a process where your will's going to have to break. But celebrate. Don't fight it. But hear the word of the Lord. Do we believe when we hear, or do we come to believe when it happens? Do we still not believe after the event? And that's Mark 16, 9 to 3. What are the consequences for us personally and as a body for not hearing the word when it is being spoken? So you have to think in duality. So often we only think individually. Me. But God's about the body and the individual. And that must be our mindset because I'm not an island on my own. I need you, you need me. If we're living individualistically, we're not in the fulfillment of Jesus' plan because it's not an individualistic plan. His plan is for a nation, is it not? Is a nation made up of one person? No, it's made up of a people group called Israel. And you and I have been grafted in to the commonwealth of Israel as a people. Within that commonwealth, there's a covenant. Firstly, it's a marriage covenant. And in that marriage covenant, there are conditions, correct? Like in the natural marriage covenant I have with Danielle, there are conditions to the covenant, correct? The goal is to be faithful to the covenant through keeping the conditions, yes? Same with God. Which means I need to know that God's purpose and plan is for a nation, a people group, firstly, not me as an individual. Unfortunately, we've taught individual first, sort of a body thing, but we don't really know it. So actually, we give that lip service, but we're all about us as an individual. What's my individual purpose? And that creates individualism in the church. When Jesus said, I pray you'd all be one. And that's the church that we're part of, currently on the earth and here too. God, for 10 years, has been smashing individualistic mindsets and heartbeats to create a family of one mind, one spirit, one purpose, one love, where we are for one another. When one hurts, we all hurt. When one wins, we all win. You mine is not, I'm not mine, you are not yours, we are both one another's, and so we're interconnected. And so if we all pull in opposite directions, that's not a house that's one, that's a house that's divided. That's the commonality in the body of Christ today. We paint conformity up as unity. It is conformity. We're all conforming to man's purpose and vision. And it's commonly a purpose around doing something. Once again, it's demonic. 
in nature. Okay? True unity is based on what or who? Fellowship with Him. So you and I can only be one to the measure we're one with Christ. Outside of that, we're just conforming to doing stuff. Doing stuff together is not unity. It's good, and we get things achieved, but it's not unity. You see, we have to be careful that the definitions of the words we use are what he says they are, not we say they are. It's oneness of spirit. So you and I are all to think exactly the same. Now, there's a process of time, correct? That sounds cultish. No, that's Bible. Is that not what the Bible says? See, if you don't know, then you can think it's cult. Hence, you need to know the words of Christ because he says, make my joy complete by being what? He doesn't just list one thing. He lists four things. So if you don't know what they are, how are you living for them? If I know what they are and I'm living for them and you don't, then we're a house divided, are we not? Because I'm going that way and you're going that way. When it comes to the show, I'm pointing that way, you're going that way. That's not oneness. That's two-ness. You see why the will has to die? Because it gets in the way of the way. The will gets in the way of life, life gets in the way of truth and vice versa. And so we just come together, have a nice time, but we all leave as individuals. He's not into the individual, he's into a body. The nation, the commonwealth of Israel, you have promises, they're prophetic promises. Do you know what they are? Bingo. Who wants to come up and draw a part of the peace for me right now? No eye has seen, no ear has heard, has not yet entered the heart of man. All that God has prepared for those who love him. To us it was revealed, so we speak of them freely, so you can know them. So if they've been going out freely for 10 years now, who wants to come up and draw them because you've heard the things that no one else at your table has heard or seen? That gives you the evidence whether you're hearing and knowing what's being spoken here. To not be able to is okay, but to not know you're not hearing, that's foolishness. Because you're called to hear, because you're all to come up and paint the picture. Why? Because we as one are to be the body that moves in power. Because if you know the stuff, you're a church of power. We're a church of humility. We're a church of life. We hunger and thirst for righteousness. We're peacemakers. We are being persecuted for righteousness. We are loving the world and one another. And everyone is captivated by us, including God. And God looks down and goes, look at that rock family down there, man. They are in the way. Jesus yeah, that's right, you're beside me. Jesus, look at them. Look at what the Holy Spirit's doing in them and through them because they hear and they see and they're actually proclaiming prophetically what has been written down. To not know is to not know. It's to keep on living the way you always have. And I've said this numerous of times, but we must be arrested, apprehended, by our own lives, which are not wrong, but they are not first, turned, redirected in him, then he defines what this all looks like. Like, do you know the gift on your life right now and how it is to flow into the body? Because it says every ligament and tendon are supposed to pull together in the building of the entire house. Now, the house is you and I, 
So to not know what your gift is, is how can you serve others? And I'm not talking about being on the door. I'm talking about in discipleship, in this family. Don't think function, think fellowship. So whenever I talk and you think I'm talking function, I'm talking fellowship and the way of being. If you hear function, roles, that's the institution. Okay, It can be hard to discern, but you've got to hear it. Whenever I talk function, it comes out of fellowship, so I'm really describing fellowship. Out of my oneness, I do things. Not because I have a role, not because I'm asked, because I know who I am in Christ, and it just flows out of me to everybody. So the Bible is very clear that God gives gifts to the house, everything pertaining to life and godliness to see the house built, a powerhouse that's strong, lays its life down, serves God, serves the world. That's called the church. Outside of that, we don't have a clue who we are. That's godliness. Everything outside is a form of godliness. And God has been arrested. It's really quite scary to be apprehended. You realize... I've been raised with Christianity, but not in Christ. Now, when you discover that, it's either the greatest day or the worst day. <laughs> I think it's the greatest day. Because he says, don't look back. You see, it's a decision, it's a choice. You can go, has all that 20 years been a waste of time? He goes, no, because today you realize it was a waste, but that wasn't a waste. Because now you have a reference for what it's not. Now I'm going to show you what it is. And until you realize what it's not, you can never know what it is because you think what it's not is. Does that make sense? Yeah. So it's a great day. The day he showed me in, 19, sorry, in 2010 that the purpose of God primarily was not reaching lost people but was a bride was an amazing day. Because with that came all the life that came with that. So everything in him is positive, it is not negative. So even if you think you've failed, it's a positive thing. Because you realize, I'm going the wrong way. He goes, oh, that's so cool, you, we're realizing that today, because now you can go the right way. So don't hear it as anything negative or lack. God wastes nothing. He uses it all to direct us in the right journey. Is our faith in what is already written, spoken, and being spoken in and from the unseen realm. So what is coming out comes from an invisible place. It's unseen coming into the scene and being declared. So imagine life behind that wall. Okay, I know me. I'm speaking from, can you see what's behind that wall? No, let me tell you what's behind that wall. <sighs> That's what today's been. Now, if you can see what's behind that wall, you're doing the dance with me. You're going, preach it, preach it, because it's hitting your spirit. Boom, and you're like, yeah, come on, because you know it's the word of heaven. So we're all to be able to see what's behind that wall. Because it's concealed. It is the glory of God to conceal a matter. It's the glory of kings to search it out. So when you go searching, just imagine me walking straight through that wall right now. Okay? And I'm on the other side of the wall. Wow. Look at this. Man, 
there's me at the end sitting with Christ on his throne. Man, there's the millennial reign. Wow, look at the love. There's this, there's, oh my goodness, these are the things that Paul spoke of that he said were freely given. I'm seeing them. (sighs) Come through the wall. Boof. Now God waits and says, who has ears to hear what's in the unseen? And the Holy Spirit's hovering. He waits for a hungry heart. Now if your heart is thirsty and hungry, when that word is spoken, he knows the state of your heart. Okay, So he takes the word, like a bird, <laughs> takes the word, and then with power, <clears throat> and the word pierces your heart, and you go, what have I got to do? You've got to repent and you'll be baptized. Okay. <sighs> they drop their idols and serve the living God all in one heartbeat. Not like, oh yeah, let's pray about that. No, no, the word does the work. And they turn and you leave and you go. That is the evidence of hearing and receiving the word. Now, you might not understand what you received. Okay? That's cool. But now you've got to go on the journey, and I was talking about this with Bella last night, of asking the Holy Spirit, what is it that just got implanted into my spirit that performed a work in me? I don't know. I know it was the word, but I don't know what it was. So it's the substance of heaven. I ate and drank Christ. I just don't know because I haven't yet had my mind renewed to what it was. He then shows you in time or instantly can happen all at once or he shows you and you're like, oh my goodness, it was this. Did you know it's the bride of Christ? Did you know that you're called to reign? Did you? And you have the revelation. Your mind has been renewed to what your spirit received. It can happen all at one hit or it's a gradual process. So when you're looking at the kingdom of the sower, that's what you're looking at. There are four environments. The first environment did not hear. Satan comes down, picks it, goes, correct? Because it's a hardened heart. The next one, here's the word, joy immediately sprouts up, correct? Okay. But there's persecution by the word. So when the word is spoken, oh, and it says that that one never got understanding. The third one, hears the word, receives the word, but the worries of life, the deceitfulness of wealth, the things that we chase, what for? Staying in control. That's why we chase them. Don't worry about stuff. Well, no, I need to, otherwise I'm going to worry. I need to build my life. And I need to have security. I'm your security. And I'm not saying don't save. Don't hear me what I'm not saying. Those people had an encounter and they go off and... (coughs) So the word never produces anything. And then it says, those who hear and understand have a fruit produced in them 30, 60, 100 times to the seed that was sown. So there's a hearing and an understanding that is required, which is one. And now I have it in me. I see it. I can write it. I can speak it. I can live from it. Wow. That's the process.
I'm done. 